There's a lot of different things that we could focus on and pull out as, as a main theme of the message. But you know what struck me was what God said to Eliphaz at the very beginning. The big failure of the three men. Can you guess what their big failure was? What was the big failure of these three men? Not speaking right about God. That's exactly what the, what the Lord said to him. You and your friends have not spoken of me, about me, what is right. The thing is, if you think about it, not everything that they said was wrong, was it? They said a lot of correct things. They lifted up the sovereignty of God. They talked about His justice. And not everything about the justice of God and how He dealt with people was incorrect. Not everything that those three men said to Job was, was wrong. But the problem was, it wasn't right. Their basic premise was this. Job, repent, get right with God, confess your sin, because the reason you're, you're being in these trials and sufferings is because God deals with sin punitively. He brings punishment to sin, and we look at you and we see judgment, and therefore it could only be because of sin. See, they had a very limited understanding of God's sovereign ability, didn't they? They didn't understand that God sovereignly could use suffering for good, for good outcomes. They did not think that suffering could be because God was doing something wonderful and a good work in people's lives, and they only thought it was because of sin and therefore it being punitive. Let me ask you a question. Can we sometimes get like these three men? Can we sometimes say the, say the right thing, but say it wrongly? Can we sometimes describe situations where maybe black and white, it's correct, but it doesn't actually uh, pertain to the people that we're speaking about? Here's the thing. Those three men didn't know the unseen or unknown mind of God. And therefore, what they said was not right. It wasn't, not everything was wrong. It simply wasn't right. Now, I'm going to explain to you in a moment what that word right means. But we need to be careful in our speaking words to people that not only are they right correctly but they're right purposefully and that's what God said you've not spoken of me rightly there's a phrase that God uses towards Eliphaz and the three men that really intrigued me you know the Lord says to Eliphaz my wrath is aroused against you and your two friends because you've not spoken what is right but then he adds but my servant Job has. Hey, 42 chapters of this book. And we can recall some things that, that probably Job didn't s- said that were not correct, right? You know, wishing to die wasn't the right thing to say. Um, 
some of the things that he said about God. You know, I don't have a mediator. I don't have anybody to, to come between us. I don't have any way to speak to you. I don't have this. And Lord, I want to contend with you. Being contentious with God is not a good thing. Demanding God present his case to us about why he's doing things. Is that right? You, you know, th- th- there are some things that Job said that weren't right. They weren't the correct thing to say. So, but God says to Eliphaz, you guys, you have not said about me rightly, but Job has. So I had to, I began to think, what was the difference between what they were saying? What is it that God is specifically talking about here? And I've got to remember, Job's done talking. He's not going to say anything else. And God says, my servant Job has spoken about me right. But you guys have not. So what was the difference? None of, the, none of these men said everything wholly right about God. That includes Job. And most commentaries conclude that Job simply said a few more things right than what those men said. If you want to balance out, if you're trying to measure and weigh out what the details of the things that Job said and the details of the things that Eliphaz and those other two men said that were right, you know, Job certainly would outweigh those other men. But what was it exactly that God is speaking about. It wasn't just the fact that um, Eliphaz and Bildad and Zophar talked about the wonderful sovereignty of God and God is sovereign. There has to be something more than just that. What was it that Job spoke that was so right? The word right in the Hebrew means reliable. It means something that is conforming to fact. And therefore, because it conforms to fact, it is worthy of belief. What was it that Job said about God and about the situation? What was it that he spoke? What were those words that he spoke that God said were so right? Was it it the words where he said, to the three men, really four men, I've not sinned. Because those words were right, weren't they? He had not sinned to bring the trials. We know that clearly. Was it that? Or was it that beautiful statement, probably my favorite verse out of the entire book of Job, where he says, I know that my Redeemer lives. Because he know, we know that He lives. Job understands that he lives. Was it that statement that so uh, spoke to God that God said, my servant Job has spoken the things about me that are right, that are reliable, that conform to fact and therefore are worthy of belief? Was it that? Was it in the beginning of the book of Job, right after the the first um, series of of, of suffering came into his life and he lost all of his possessions, including his family, except for his wife. And he spoke the words 
uh, God, um, naked I came into this world, naked I will go out of this world. Meaning, God gives and God takes away. You know, what, was it those words that, that he said that so affected the Lord that he said, my servant Job speaks cor- rightly about me? Well, all of those things were true, weren't they? But that's not what God was really speaking of about Job. Look back at the beginning of chapter 42. And let's read verses 1 through 6. And let us see what finally Job said that brought about the statement from God that my servant Job speaks right. And Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? And therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said... I will question you and you will answer me. I have heard you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I abhor myself and I repent in dust and ashes. You know what? What was it that Job said that he was speaking so rightly of God? There's many things that he said that he spoke rightly of God. But what was it that he spoke that caused God to speak these words? What was it that really meant something? It was those verses 1 through 6. And let me paraphrase verse 6. He says, I take back everything I said. I take back all those things I said. And I, we can only imagine, maybe it was the things where he thought God was so far away from him. And, and he wanted to contend with God and other things like that. doesn't really say. But Job says, I take back everything I've said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show what? My repentance. Do you know what the thing that is most important that we probably can say is, God, I'm sorry. Person, I'm sorry. It's when we acknowledge our sin or sinfulness, and we confess that to the Lord. Don't you love repentance? Do you know what repentance does? It fixes everything you know repentance takes that which is broken and mends it and heals it repentance does that between God and man and repentance does it between human beings as well doesn't it when people sin against one another and people hurt each other and yet when they realize that and they come to one another and and they repent it, it heals the relationship and you know repentance can heal the most awfully broken relationship that's ever occurred you know Lisa and I never thought really that our our friendship with our good friends in America would be healed we just didn't think that it was going to happen though we knew it was possible but do you know we are we are as close today to our friends Bryant and Sharon in America as we were in 1991 when we began our to grow our friendship, and our friendship was surrounded by the presence of God, and, and He was the basis of our friendship. Do you know why? Because one evening, we both sat in front of each other on FaceTime, because they're over there and we're over here, and we said sorry to one another, and we repented, and 
our friendship and that relationship was healed. What was it that Job said? He said, God, I take it all back and I sit here outwardly showing you that I am sorry and I come to you in repentance. I love repentance and I love this portion of the book because this is about restoration. This is about healing. This is about coming back again into that relationship where it was before. And you know what God does? After Job spoke those words in verses 1 through 6, God says to Eliphaz and Bildad and Zophar, immediately in verses 7 and 8, he speaks something that shows those men that God has accepted Job's repentance and brought him back into complete fellowship with him. If you want to, you can go back to the beginning of the book of Job and um, look at ver- chapter 1, verse 8. Now this is in the very beginning, before, you know, r- r- right when it's all beginning. And God says to Satan, he says, listen, have you considered, have you pondered your actions towards my servant, Job? You see what God called Job? He just didn't say Job. He said, my servant Job. He's mine. He belongs to me. He, he's my possession and he serves me. This is my Job. And you know what? Satan came against him, took his family. And in chapter 2, God's, when Satan is roaming again, God looks at Satan. He says, once again, he says, in, in verse 3, And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? That title, that position that Job had, that was something. It was a title and, and, and it was a recognition of the heart of Job, of the life of Job, of, of his servant attitude, his righteousness, all of that. My servant Job. Now look at verses 7 and 8 in our chapter 42. Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, they said, you, basically, you're not a servant of God. You're a ser- servant of the evil one. You have sinned against God. You're arrogant and you're prideful and you've taken things from, you remember somewhere in the middle of the book, he said, th- those men said to Job, you haven't taken care of the poor and the needy. You've abused them and you've used them. Do you remember that? You're not a servant. And here's what God says. After Job has confessed and repented of his pride and of saying the wrong things and taking it all back, look at verse 7. And so it was, after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, that the Lord said to Eliphaz, my wrath is kindled against you and your friends. You've not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. Now therefore, take for yourselves the seven bulls and rams and go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering and my servant Job shall pray for you. For I will accept him, lest I deal with you according to your folly, because you've not spoken of me what is right, as 
my servant Job has. Four times, God the Father emphasizes to these men who, who have come against Job in just about every verbal way you could possibly attack somebody, and God says, I've restored him. That term, my servant Job, is emphasizing the restoration, that restored position after the confession and repentance of Job. That title, my servant, has great depth of meaning to those men and to Job. And you know what? It's not much different than some of the titles God gives to us. How they have great depth of meaning. My servant Job, he's a righteous one. My servant Job belongs to me. My servant Job, he's a servant of the great God. I mean, you could just take that small little title and just pull it out of the depth of meaning. You know what? God does that for us, doesn't he? You ever read 1 John 3, 1? Most of you probably know the verse. 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we, get this, should be called, what? The children of God, the sons of God. What does that mean? It has in that title of us, in that speaking of our position as children, sons of God, it has the idea of restoration, the idea of forgiveness. In that title of the children of God, do you know what it it speaks of? It speaks of our future inheritance in the kingdom of God. It talks about the indwell, you know, I'm a child of God. What does that mean? It means I have the indwelled spirit of God within me. I'm a child of God. What does that mean? That means I have access to the Father through Jesus Christ the Son. I'm a child of God. What does that mean? That means I have a mediator who speaks to the Father on my behalf. Do you understand? When God said to those men that this is my servant Job, it smacked them in the heart. It had to have because they kept saying you are not a servant of God. And God said, oh, alas, he is. And what what brought about that word from God that this is my servant is the repentance of the pride and the things that he said that were not right about his father. You know what I think, though? This is such a beautiful chapter. And we look at it as this this beautiful end of a horrible story where this man suffered so immensely and now... He's brought into the Father's relationship. Soon he will be blessed and he will have abundance again and all of these things. But you know what? This is just not about Job. It's really about God himself. See, look. God was really ticked off with these men, wasn't he? Wasn't he? The Bible says in verse 7, My wrath, Eliphaz, is aroused against you. It is steaming against you. That word wrath, you know what? Have you covered wrath yet? No? Wrath is ire. Okay? It is, it is a deep-seated, hot anger towards something. 
it, it has this idea of when you're, you know, when you're really angry at something, you don't have this beautiful smile on your face, do you? It shows on your face. You can have that, get that look of anger, yeah, like, like Annette is doing right now. Ooh, that's scary. Don't do that in public. It, keep that at home. Um, but, that, but when you study the word wrath, it's almost as if God was looking down and he had a look of anger towards Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. Then do you feel as I do? Man, I'm, I'm sit, maybe I'm sitting on the sidelines and maybe you're like this and you're thinking, yeah, God, go get them. Go get those three men. They were mean and they were hateful. And even Job said, y'all are miserable counselors, miserable comforters. You don't know how to comfort someone when they're suffering. God, go teach them. And, I, and I'm sitting there reading this. I'm thinking, yeah, they deserve every bit of judgment from the Lord that they get. I'm thinking, are you rooting for them to turn to God? Are you hoping that they come to repentance? Are we sitting there praying for Bildad, Zophar, and, and, and Eliphaz to come to God? No. Most of us are just trying to get to the end of the book and see the blessings of Job. But you know what God did? God stopped in the middle there before he got to the blessings of Job and he dealt with those three men. Listen, look at verses 8 and 9. Thing is, I don't even think about the restoration of those men. I'm more probably thinking about, yeah, God, go get them. Deal with them hard. But here's what God is thinking about then. Verse 8. Take for yourselves seven bulls and seven rams. Go to my servant Job and offer up yourself a burnt offering. And my servant Job will pray for you. And I will accept him. I will accept his prayer. Lest I deal with you according to your folly. Because you have not spoken of, what, of me what is right as my servant Job has. What has Job done? Job has repented. Job has confessed. Job has spoken things rightly of God, but I think the most important aspect of it is that Job has realized that he has some sin in his heart and his life, and he's confessed it before the Lord. For I will accept him, lest I deal with you according to your folly, because you've not spoken what is right, like Job has. And so Eliphaz the Timnite and Bildad the Shuhite and, Zoph and Zophar the Namathite went and did as the Lord commanded them. Isn't that a blessing? See, for the Lord had accepted Job. Why did God forgive those three men? Why did God grant them restoration in relationship with him? Why did God offer them repentance? Do you know why? Because God wants all men to come unto him. Doesn't he not? That even now, God does not wish that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Right? Isn't that true? That God wants all men, the most wicked of men? Because in the eyes of God, sin is sin, is it not? I get it, we can debate that, but, you know, the murderer that's not repented and the librarian that has not repented is going to the same place. 
you know. But God said, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What gave those men the forgiveness? Was it because Job prayed for them? Because God said, I will accept Job. And yeah, in a sense, Job was a type of Christ. Here Job is in this portrayal of this type of Christ mediating between those three men and God. Earlier in the book, Job said, I have no mediator. Those men would not mediate between God and, 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 and Job. But now, Job was the mediator for those three men. That's what God told him to do. Job, you pray for them. Fellas, you take your sacrifice to Job. And Job will pray, and I will accept it. Now, he's a type of Christ. He's bringing the sacrifice before the altar. And God accepted Job as he accepted his son. Job praying isn't what gave them forgiveness. It's actually what showed his true repentance to the, to the men. That Job would pray for men that reviled him so. Prayed for his enemies like Christ tells us to do. These men had defended God's justice in striking Job down. But now they saw that God is, is, is concerned with more than just justice. God is also known for love and grace. Repentance, which they had recommended for Job, is now what God told them that they needed. Do you see what's going on here? God wasn't just about restoring Job. God wanted to restore those men as well. Offered them repentance. And here's what they did. Eliphaz and Bildad and Zophar did as the Lord commanded. What was it that they did? They obeyed God. They humbled themselves and they went to Job. Roy, that's a tough thing to do, isn't it? Someone that you thought was so wrong and you sat there and lifted yourself up so high and mightily. Said, we know what we're talking about. You don't. And now it's all turned around. And God said, you know what? You need to go to Job humbly and with this sacrifice and give it to him and have him pray for you as this type of Christ, as this mediator between God and man. And when you do that and he does that, I will accept it. In other words, you will be restored as well. Isn't it a blessing that God loves to restore people? No matter how broken and busted we are, no matter how sinful and messed up we are, God wants to restore us. Here's the thing. They didn't have to do it. They could have walked away, couldn't they have? Couldn't they have said, I'm not doing that, and walked away and, and, and dealt with the judgment that God would bring on them. But they brought their sacrifice to Job. Nobody does that unless there's been a work done in their heart. You, you, just, you don't just act humble when you're not really humble, do you? No. I believe from studying the scripture that 
whatever it was that they heard between the speech between God and Job, whatever it was, maybe they heard some of the words, maybe God opened their ears and they heard what was transpiring between God and Job and that brought them to repentance. I'm not 100% sure, but they heard something and God worked in their heart and they brought their sacrifice to Job. Do you know all that we have to do to be saved, to, to be redeemed, is to come to the sacrifice. We don't bring our sacrifice because we have nothing to sacrifice. But we come to the sacrifice already made for us by faith in Christ. And that's how we receive our restoration when we come to Him. So this chapter is not only about the restoration of Job, it is the restoration of these men. And I wrote in my notes, for me mostly, but I wrote, the Lord is concerned for everyone. You know, the people that we're not even concerned about, the Lord is concerned about them. I'm reading about a missionary at the moment that in 1992, he and his wife went to Somaliland, Somaliland. And in 93, they went to Mogadishu. I don't know if any of you have ever uh, heard of the movie uh, Black Hawk Down. Black Hawk Down. That happened in 93, and I believe it was in Mogadishu. When it was at the height of the clans fighting and the war going on and they killing their own people, here was this couple taking humanitarian aid in the gospel of Jesus Christ to a people where most of the Christian world at the time was saying it's not worth it. Do you know what? That's what God does. He takes the gospel to people where most of the world says it's not worth taking it to them. Aren't you glad that God loves sinners? Huh? So, the final words and thoughts of the book of Job. In verse 10, it says, After Job prayed, showing his true repentance openly and outwardly, after that, God turned the captivity of Job. And in verse 10, it says, And the Lord restored the, the, Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. You know, I tried to find a connection between, between the blessing and, and what, you know, why did God bless him double over? So in other words, if I could find the connection of why God blessed Job doubly, then we could do what Job did so we could have double blessings, right? Right? There's no connection. There, there's nothing that you can find there. What, what did the Lord do? Well, he restored all that Job lost. He gave him twice as much as wealth as he had before. He restored he restored, we don't often talk about this part. We, we like the fact that he got, you know, double, double sheep and double camels and double uh, oxen and double donkeys. But you know what else he did? He restored the fellowship with his family and friends. In verse 11, it says that his friends and his acquaintances and his family, all who deserted him before, they all came back. And the comfort that Job longed for while he was in the dust heap and, and the boils were popping on his body. 
and the loneliness he felt, they now came back to him. And God restored the fellowship that he missed. Then God allowed them to show sympathy for him. They consoled him and they comforted him and they loved on him. And all those people that came, they gave him a piece of silver and they gave him a gold ring. Now where did the, 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 the camels and the sheep and the oxen and the donkeys come from? What we think probably happened is, and we don't know for sure, but we think maybe that Job took the, the, the piece of silver the, silver that, the pieces of silver that he got and the gold rings. It was either an earring or a nose ring or probably a combination of both. And he took the gold ring and the silver pieces and he went and he bought these animals and God blessed them and multiplied them. And at the end of Job's days, because that's basically when this has been calculated, at the end of Job's days when he saw his great, 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 grandchildren and 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 he had seven sons again and three daughters again and now a thousand donkeys instead of 500 and a thousand yoke and oxen instead of 500 and six thousand camels instead of three thousand and fourteen thousand sheep instead of seven thousand it was probably because God blessed his wisdom and discernment and God just kept his hand on him in prosperity but the question is this, why did the Lord bless Job so? Sometimes we look at Scripture and we want to find what they did so that we can get what God gave them. So what was it that Job did that God blessed him so greatly? A lot of people will say, well, it was because he repented. Well, you've got to be careful to say that. Because if it was, if his blessing was due to his repentance, guess what then happens? Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar are completely right. Because they said to Job, Job, just repent and God will bless you again. Just get it over with and God will give you back everything you lost. That's not according to Scripture. It doesn't tell us that it came from his repentance. Let me give you a quote. The restoration of wealth was not due to Job's repentance because then we would think, well, all we have to do to become wealthy and rich and blessed is repent and then God's going to give us great things like that to us. Do you know what the blessing of God towards Job was? It was just simply God's grace. It was a token of God's grace, not an obligation of His justice. See, this book deals with mankind's most pressing problems. The question of suffering uh, and man's relationship with God. Job ex Job's experience tells us this great truth. That man's worship of God does not come from a business-like contract between God and man, whereby he earns material rewards from God. But man's relationship to God, it, it is not a judicial arrangement in which God is therefore obligated to reward you and I for every good act or good deed or good thought or repentive 
thing that we come up and say, I'm sorry to God for, and then God flies blessings our way. Instead, this is about man is to simply trust God in the good and in the bad, in the suffering and in the blessings, in the trials and in the victories. Man is to just trust God. Worship Him regardless of, of the circumstances that we find ourselves in and rely on His character, His beautiful, perfect, relentlessly loving character, even when we do not understand God's ways. We know that God is right, right? We know that God is good. We know that God has our betterment and our care in his hands in his eyes in his trust so we are to simply worship him regardless of the circumstances and simply trust god and i think as we close this book down i look back at my notes and if my dates on my notes are correct We started Job the very first Wednesday of the new year. And we will finish Job the very first Wednesday of this new year. And I will not forget this line from this book as long as I ever recall Job. And it's the statement that Job said in chapter 19, verse 25. And this is what I leave you with so that you and I remember. And Job said, For I know that my Redeemer lives. And with that, what can we not endure? If we know that He lives, we know that we are not alone. If we know that He lives, we know that He is working in our situation, even if we don't sense it, feel it, or see it. Because we know that God never leaves us or forsakes us. And I know, and you know, that we don't always know God's plan, do we? And we don't know what God is doing. And I'm sure like I, you and I have done this in the past, not in a negative like, God, what are you doing? But there's always been that thought at times, God, what are you doing? You ever thought that? Well, you know what I can say to myself now? Lord, I might not know what you're doing, but I know that you're doing something. And I know that if I will just stay the course, keep the faith, allow you to even purge me. Because remember John 15? It says if we are to grow and and bring bring forth more fruit, you know what God's going to have to do, Celine? God's going to have to purge the garbage that gets into us. Do, Do you know what? The holiday was really cool. I enjoyed it a lot. We didn't do a whole lot. We just kind of hung out and did a lot of sleeping. Man, I think I slept to 8 o'clock more in the last two weeks than I have in all of last year. You know, it's been wonderful. Except yesterday we were up at 4 to take Stephen to work and then Lisa to the hospital. And we get to the hospital at 7 and they said, oh, sorry, but you don't need to be here till 11. So we went back home and I made eggs and she went to sleep. And so we've enjoyed the holiday. But you know what I found? That we were looking around the house yesterday. Before I left, I said to Emily, I said, 
said, clean up this place a little bit. Do you know what? After a while of just living, the house gets really cluttered, doesn't it? Junk finds itself on the, on the bookcase and on this and that. And there's little dust over there and a little dust over here. And guess what? As you and I live, we're walking for Jesus, right? Guess what happens? Junk accumulates. A little bit here, a little bit there. Man, and God starts seeing those things maybe. And then he says, hmm, I need to purge you a little bit. I need to take those little growths off of you to help you be more in my image and so that you can bring more fruit forth out of your life. Amen? Okay, we're done. Next week, new study. Let's pray.